Alex Carell is one of over 70,000 Google Career Certificate graduates. The Google Career Certificate program completely changed the trajectory of my life. I've always been interested in computers, but I never thought I could turn this into a career. Anytime I got a little break, I just pop open the course on my phone. That allowed me to have that path into a career that I'm passionate about. Train online for in-demand jobs in IT, UX design, data analytics, project management, and more. Visit grow.google/certificates. This episode is brought to you by Simple Mobile. Tired of being tied down with a wireless contract? Switch to Simple Mobile and stay connected on a powerful nationwide 5G network. Unlimited talk, text, and data starts at $30 a month with no contracts, activation fees, or credit checks. Visit simplemobile.com today. Out with the old, in with the simple. Compatible 5G-capable device and SIM require. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. One month equals 30 days. See terms and conditions at simplemobile.com. Good evening, Honey Hole Hangout. <laughs> oh, man, that was a good one. Yeah, I felt it. That was a little <laughs> bit. I like how I never know if it's going to be an evening or a morning. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever comes out. <laughs> it's whatever you're feeling for the day. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, uh, we are Honey Hole Hangout. Uh, it is a smaller crew today. Uh, we have me, Zach. Cliff is here, mm-hmm. and we have our good friend, Will Long, who is with us today. Hello. Yeah, uh, Ian, from the last podcast, you know, I took a step back, yep. and then Landon uh, is up in Montana right now. Yeah, so he should have some good stuff, good stories, good videos, hopefully, when he comes back, but uh, we're still going to have some fun tonight and do some cool stuff, so um, we are Honey Hole Hangout. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook. Facebook. YouTube, Honey Hole Angling, Spotify, Spotify. Oh, we're on Spotify. Yeah, wherever podcasts are found. Uh, if you want to share us, you know, that'd be great. We're always looking for more listeners, more people like you. Otherwise, uh, what are we gonna start off first with, boys? Uh, a little bourbon tasting. Let's yeah, I think we're gonna start on because we got two bourbons tonight. We're gonna start into the bourbon and chow around a little bit, and right. then. Move on from there. So Will has brought us a couple bourbons tonight. Uh, which one are we starting with? Uh, Mythology. Okay. It is a uh, bourbon out of Colorado. Okay. Um, they're in Denver. This is a small batch. It's uh, got some really good reviews. Uh, some of the YouTube bourbon stuff I watch, um, they swear that this is one of the better bangs for your buck. So saw it on the shelf up there and grabbed a bottle, and I tried it a couple nights ago. It's really good. Nice. So we'll start with that one. I like the bottle a lot. Yeah. It's got some cool artwork on it, too. Just a little splash. I still got my other drink. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, this is just, it's not um, cast strength or anything. Nope. It's this is, uh, I believe, 88 proof. Okay. So, it's a blend. Um, it's a blend of a 15-year-old Kentucky. Uh, it's got a high corn mash bill. And then a five-year Indiana and a two-year Indiana. Um, okay. So it's a it's a blend. Uh, it's only 88 proof, but it is a good sipper. Have you had it before? I have, yeah. Okay. So I popped it the other night and tried it and liked it a lot. Ooh. I feel like... Ooh. Had a little 
little bite on the back end. Yeah. I feel like I would like it a little bit more on ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't feel like it's a – I don't think it's a neat whiskey. It's a little it's a little hot. So yeah. the uh, the Indiana five-year that's blended in this has a 36% rye. So that's, so that's where you're getting that spice note. Where okay. Getting the spice yep. from. Um, I'm going to take a picture of it so that once Landon gets back, we can add it to our – I don't know how that works, but – I like it, though. Yeah. Can I get, like, a like an apple flavor? The dude on the bottle, though, keeps on reminding me of Del Earnhardt for some reason. Yeah, it's weird. It's like Del Earnhardt and, <laughs> and a dog. And a <laughs> uh, how much does the bottle cost you? I think it's 40-something. Okay, it's not bad. No. <clears throat> I feel like most bottles, bottles we try between 30 and 50. Yeah. Not, I mean, that in some of the <laughs> some of the stuff I look for, it's in that price range, too, because you can buy a bottle, and if it's not your favorite thing, you yeah. can share it around, but for sure. And there's just some really good bangs for your buck out there oh, in that yeah. price range versus going and paying secondary prices for some of this stuff. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, really. Uh, I've never been to a distillery up in Colorado. I've been to a few breweries. Yeah. Uh, Avery. I love oh, yeah. Avery. It's so yep. neat. Oscar Blues. I feel like you have to do it every time you go up. Yep. Uh, big Breckenridge. They're, uh, That's right. Their yep. new one is – it's not really new. I mean, it's a couple years old, but that place is awesome. Where's that one at? Uh, it's on, I believe, the west side of town. But they bought, like – Big old area of land, mm-hmm. and they grow a lot of their own stuff on, really? on property. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's the main um, tasting room is is gorgeous. Yeah, uh, they have live music, yard games, all kind of. The whole yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really cool place. Really good food too. Right. So, and then we we did uh we drove up to Fort Collins. I was just up there last week. We did Fort Collins, um, and we went to um, Odell. Which was really, really good. That's and a brewery, right? Belgium, yeah. That's yep. the one that has the elephant on one of the bottles? Like their IPA? I believe so, yeah. yeah. And then New Belgium's got the guy riding the bike on their logo. Right, because New Belgium makes uh, Fat Tire, Yep. right? Yep. Okay. Amongst many. Yeah. All right, well, I believe we have some questions for this evening. Yep, we can jump into questions, and then uh, we can share if anybody's done any fishing, any stories like that after that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first. Yeah, while you pull up the questions, have you done anything uh, let's see. I this went, week. um, I went fishing earlier today. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I just went to a pond in San Antonio and. Did you catch anything? We did. Caught a couple. Uh, Kendall and I went. We caught a couple panfish and saw a bunch. It's like this pond is notorious for like fish just want to look at your stuff. Like <laughs> I think it gets super heavily pressured. Uh, okay. And so that like every fish is like super just like, is that food? Yeah. Like I've been pulled to the sky a couple times. So probably don't see a whole lot of flies though. Yeah, they don't. And so I feel like we get, like, every time we go out there, there's always one guy throwing spin gear. Yeah. And um, Ken ain't going to catch anything. <laughs> yeah. There's some days we'll go out there, and Ken and I will just slay it right in front of him. <laughs> and the guy. What are you doing? He doesn't change it up. He just keeps throwing <laughs> the same thing. And Ken and I were just pulling him out with flies. Uh, today was not that great. We both caught a couple of fish each. Nice. But, you know, still. Using a three weight? No, I used my uh, my six. Oh, okay. Um. The finesse 6F. Okay. Kindle used a 5. Yeah, I, you know, I have my three-weight put together. But there is a, uh, there's like a six-foot drop from where you're fishing to actually the, where the uh, water okay. is. So and if you do catch something big, you want to be able to. Exactly. Sometimes with up. a three-weight, I feel, I feel like I might, yeah. you know, snap my rod. Get that one up. big old bass in there and not be able to ring it up. <laughs> right. That'll be the one day I get the big guy. And I'm I like, swear oh, it's eight okay. pounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. What uh, about, yeah. What about you? What about you, Will? Uh, went down yesterday. To the coast. Uh, How'd you guys do? Saw a bunch of fish. Spooky as all get out. So yeah. put, 
I mean, I probably casted uh, 20 or more reds, and all of them just said, nope, out of here. There was no wind. So they get like that when there's no wind at all. Because nothing's disturbing the surface. Nope. Uh, low, it's pretty low water. It's a little off color. Um, Do you think we're still seeing great. some changes from the freeze that happened? Or No, I think uh, they, all that rain we had put a yeah. ton of water down there yeah. and dirty water, dirtied it up real well. So I think that's still kind of settling out a little bit. Um, that, and it, like I said, every time I've been down there, there's no win. Days go one of two ways. Either they're epic Best day or, or they're crap. Yeah. And yesterday was crap. Still fun, though. We kayaked around quite a while and went and got some seafood at Scuttlebutts. And yeah. Yeah. Not a bad day. Did you drive down for the day? Yeah, we just yeah. drove down today to kayaks down there for the day. So, And then I uh, did a little bit of fishing in Colorado. Uh, of course, as soon as I showed up there, my mom was all, yeah, the rivers are clear, running great. And day I show up and run off. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty warm that day, and the rivers were blown out the entire time I was up there. Yeah. I did get to go to the Dream Stream for one morning. <clears throat> Caught a couple. Nothing nothing to write home about, but yeah. it was still fun. It was nice. That's awesome. Uh, Cliff, what about you? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. We, of course, we podcasted Saturday, and then yeah. I went to Greg's birthday party. Yeah, how was that, though? Shooting mm. clays? It, it was fun. Um, I didn't shoot too much. I probably only shot... 12. Hey, well, rounds are um, expensive right now. I don't blame you. Yeah, <laughs> which was kind of the, the purpose. So I put six rounds through each of my shotguns to make sure that they were in working <laughs> order. And that nice. was that was all she wrote. Yeah. I was like, I'm done. Man, I don't blame you. Um, they had a lot of other stuff out there, dude. Did you get to shoot any of the other stuff out there? I did shoot the Glock 17 that they had out there. Is that one that um, was presser on it like the others? No, I believe no. this one was... Not unsuppressed, okay. which is fine because I was like, I kind of want to shoot that for personal reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily put a suppressor on it. Not yep. that I'm opposed to it, but as an EDC, I'm not going to yeah. carry a suppressor. <laughs> so a Glock 17, what is that? It's a 9mm okay. Glock. Uh, I It's pretty much one of the run-of-the-mill. Yeah, okay. there's nothing yeah. special standard. about it. Yeah. It just felt good. Gotcha. I'm kind of getting the itch to do a new EDC gotcha. type thing. Six-hour P365. That's what you do? Yep. Yeah. Love it. See, uh, I mean, it's no bigger than my hand. Yeah. I already have a, a subcompact. Yeah. Ah, okay. And so I don't want... Your I subcompact wanna, is a 9 or a 380? It's a 380. Yeah, that's mine. Um, but I kind of want to move up to a 9 mil and then mm. gift the 380 to... Cynthia, so that she has something as well. Yeah. Um, and then I still have my 10 mil, but that's too dang heavy to <laughs> yeah. carry around as an everyday yeah. gun. I mean, it'd be a good truck weapon, but, yeah, not yeah, but a, nothing more than that, really. Yeah, I'm not going to put it in a holster and walk around Academy or wherever. For sure. Uh, okay, so we got a couple questions. Uh, first question, what's the very first thing you should do when fishing new water? I believe these are all... Before you even go, research. Yeah, for sure research, definitely. I think this goes back to our hot, hot spotting like topics. Uh-huh. Is You got to put in at least a little bit of legwork mm-hmm. yourself and just get on the Department of Natural Resources website for the state that you're in. 
For sure. Or going so, to be in. But okay. Is this question new water as in new water to you or trying to find new water that you don't even know? New about? water to you. Let's say that you're on a work trip, right? And, okay. You know, and you bring your rod. You don't have time to do any research. Yeah, you're just like, yeah. hey, I got to work. I'm going to run to the stream real quick. What's the first thing you do? Let's say you know what species are in there, right? You either know it's a bass stream or you know it's a trout stream, yeah. right? Um, what do you do? Get online. Yeah. I would yeah. say get on your Department of Natural Resources Go website, to find, find whatever fly shop is closest to that spot. Mm-hmm. Go to their website, see if they do a fishing report. That's always a great way to do it. That way you know what – I mean, they're the ones there. They're the ones fishing it. They know what's hitting. They know how it's fishing. Right. That's probably sure. the best – best source of knowledge outside of going and visiting the fly shop yourself and yeah, right. buying a couple that's, things before you ask for sure where to go. Yeah, that's my thing. Is my, I'm always like, go to fly shop. But if the off chance that I haven't had time to research, do you guys have any like standard searching search patterns that you guys use? Like, like no, I mean, I would default to any of your confidence patterns. So that's where like I would Anything say, yeah. that's like squirmy, wormy or an egg or yeah. – yep. Top water, Wooly like Google bug, woolly booger, like those patterns that go all yeah. the way around. Like if it's a trout stream, I'm probably going to, uh, you know, two droppers, probably a patch rubber leg and some sort of egg or uh, a midge. You know, yeah. that's probably my go-to if I'm searching water, trout waters. But like if it's a bass stream, I might throw on a clouser, you know, like yeah. a smaller clouser. Um, Brunch money. Can never go wrong with I love brunch, brunch money. money. Yep. Uh, that brunch money is like one of my favorite flies. But the only thing is, I feel like some brunch monies might not work all the time just because they can be a little yeah, big, yeah. bigger. I feel like stick with your what you would normally throw as a bait mm-hmm. type guy, and you would probably do pretty well some in some aspect. Yeah. Also, guys, I sorry. would say if it's brand new water for you. Expect to get skunked the For first sure. time around. Yeah, if you're, just, if you're just trying to kill an hour, you're like, I don't want to sit and do 30 minutes of research when I got an hour to fish, you know. Yeah. Go out there, throw some confidence flies, throw those ones, you know, throw in a parachute atoms. I usually don't start with a dry fly, but hey, you know, go for it, you know. Um, yeah, and you also have, I think that's important to set low expectations too, because even the stuff you read online... Sure. Most people aren't getting there. Man, I had a crap day today. I mean, they're getting on there and posting. I have been fishing this for a couple of years, and I finally caught this one fish. So right. you're seeing pictures yeah. of all these. I had my huge. Day. I mean, I had a, a perfect example. We went up to Arkansas, Fayetteville, a couple months ago, and I'm researching the White River and not the Bull Shoals. I think it's Bull Shoals area where it's most famous, but right. more up near Fayetteville. And you know, I've seen pictures of huge brown trout, and I'm like, oh yeah, get up there, and it was not what I thought it would be. <laughs> and I was all excited thinking I was going to catch this big old 20-something-inch brown chat. And yep. No, no, got skunked. So. Yeah. Well, that's like the guad here. I mean, like, if you don't do your yeah. research, it's tough fishing the it first is. couple it of is. times. you got to do your research. But, you know, now I know that I would probably put on a dropper, a couple droppers, and, you know, kind of start searching some, some good-looking water. Yep. Uh, do you, are you guys one to flip over rocks to kind of see what's going on depends there? On where, uh, depends on where I'm at. Yeah. Most yeah. in Colorado? Oh, yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah. Any, I mean, any, any freestone river or anything like that where you know he's got good hatches and stuff. And, uh, you're flipping over uh, rocks. flipping over rocks to see I've what's there. I've never really taken the time it's to, cool. to flip over rocks. I mean, like, I guess I've done it a couple times to see yeah. what's there, but I've never been like, oh, I want to see what they're eating, so I'm yeah. going to flip over a rock. Well, a lot of our rivers and stuff are actually fairly deep. 
like yeah. to be flipping rocks. I mean, yeah. you got to find a pretty shallow area. Yeah, yeah. and and I will also say, like our rocks are also different than like in Colorado. Or, like, yeah, it's Tennessee. not. We don't have too many big freestone rivers like they do up in there and right. stuff. So up there, though, man, you turn over a rock and. Get you see everything. Huge old stone flying, uh, salmon flying them, stone flying them. I mean, you see some really big, cool stuff. Yeah, uh, that question actually kind of goes into another question we got, which is: Do you like top water or subsurface flies when scouting new water? Subsurface. Subsurface when scouting new water. Yeah, me too, for sure. Like, well, ra- there is a very small chance I would ever put on a dry fly to start scouting, and that is if somebody purposely told me. Put on whatever. Put on a you know an RS two or put on a parachute Adams because that's what they hit nine times out of ten. Yeah. But for me, in my experience, they're gonna hit the dropper. I just I so feel like often. I feel like unless the conditions are just right, like thinking on a bass river or something mm. like that. Depends on what you're the, fishing for. I think that's le- true. If the bass, if the conditions are just right, like right as the sun's coming up and stuff like early in the morning or right as the sun's going down when frogs and stuff are coming off and on to water and all that, that would be the time to be throwing a top water popper or something for bass. For sure. But if oh, you're if in you're there in the middle hit. of the day, like mid-morning to late afternoon, right. you need to be throwing right. subsurface. And I feel like fish in general are more likely to be hitting Subsurface. Oh yeah, I think if I'm general. searching in water my, as low as I can go, like if I want to be yeah. dragging the bottom, pretty much. Yeah, yeah and, my, and that's my. I'm sure there's someone out there who's like, oh, I only fish dry flies. There, in there's that. dry well, fly I mean, purists like, for that, sure. That's right. why I said it depends on where you go. If I'm going to Wyoming, Montana, Colorado, in the peak of you know right. hopper season, you better believe I'm putting a hopper on. Or like when we went to Colorado a couple years ago, there's this one small creek that was running through this valley, and I put on a, a dry dropper. They did not touch the dropper, and I caught probably 20-plus browns. Yeah. They only wanted the parachute atoms, or I put on a, uh, a royal wolf towards yeah. the end. That's literally – I ended up cutting off my dropper because it was just getting in the way. Yep. And I mean, there's hatches going off pretty much every single day right. all throughout the day. So that's, you know, during that time of season, that's what they're keying in on. For sure. So I guess it's a, I guess my answer would be it depends. But most of the time – Probably subsurface. Unless they start hitting that that bobber, yeah. you know, that indicator. Bobber. Indicator, not <laughs> yeah, a bobber. I had to catch myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they start going to that indicator, throwing a big old chunky guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was from Josh Smith and stuff. Thank you for submitting a question. And the first question was from K.A. Adair. So thank you, Kendall. Your oh. wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got one more question. Um how do you actually catch a fish off a kayak? <laughs> so. This is from my buddy, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it is. Jason uh, Groman. Yeah. Um, it's tough. It uh, especially, tough. you know, I, I saw I, about a year and a half ago, a little over a year ago, bought a um, new canoe pursuit, 14-foot. Is love that what you brought love to that the thing. Yeah. ocean? Absolutely love that thing. It is phenomenal because uh, I can stand up and down, sit and all day long, and so I can fly fish off of it pretty well. But fly fishing off of a kayak is a lot harder than I thought it would be. It is. Because you've either got to have some kind of push pole or your paddle in your hand to push yourself around. When you actually see that redfish, you've got to be able to quietly set down your paddle, pick up your, pick up your rod, have everything not tangled in front of you, and you have a couple seconds to get it in front of that yeah. before that fish spooks. So it's pretty hard. Um, 
I actually have started confession time. Uh, started carrying my spinning rod with me when I'm on my kayak because that's, honestly, that it, makes kayak fishing so much more enjoyable. Because that way, I'm like, like you know, if I'm not seeing fish or it's it's super windy. I can still catch fish, yeah. and it's also a great way that I, I get out there and that's the way I search for fish. Unless I'm seeing tailing fish or a bunch of commotion and stuff, that's the way I search for fish. Throwing a paddle, you know, big old paddle tail. Oh, got one on. Okay, there's fish here. All right, yeah. pull out the fly rod. So, do it. Um, so I'd say carry both with you. Um, or you could do the cheating way where you paddle to where you're going, then hop out, stake out your kayak, and then you just wait. You know, I love doing that. If That's you're on a good flat, uh, heck yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a way – kayak is a means of transportation. It's a way to – it's a way to get to somewhere that you're out, you're not normally able to get to unless you've got that kayak. So um, I would say use your kayak to get to a spot where you know flat that you found on Google Earth or, you know, a lot of the places I fished down there at coast, it's just really just searching Google Earth and be like, hmm, that looks like a good spot. I can paddle there and go yeah, and checking it out. Going. So I would say um, carry a spinning rod with you and a fly rod. Um, and if you need to, post up and get out and wade. Do you go out by yourself or do you usually have somebody else with you? Both. It just depends if yeah. I can. I mean, being a nurse, I can get off during the week a little bit easier than most people. So True. Yeah. sometimes I, uh, I run down there by myself and I'll do a day trip by myself and it's not a problem. But yeah. it's always more enjoyable having somebody with you. For sure. For sure. Uh, okay, so we got a couple of questions for Cliff and me. Uh, the first one, the wild horse problem. Do you know about this? Mm-mm. Right. So, you know, in like the Midwest – there's like thousands and thousands of wild horses. So I think you should stage this because I saw what you were doing on Instagram. Yeah. I think you should stage this as a segment. Yeah, I do too. And it might be pretty good. I, th- I think so too. So uh, so this is the brand new segment, <laughs> Zach versus Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. Uh, so yeah, okay, so the wild horse problem. Should we be shooting them to maintain a balance, right? Because they're overgrazing everything. But horses are in this general gray area of they're not cattle, they're not bison, so we can't, like, people feel weird about killing them. I think, so I'm going to give you my perspective on it, then you can give me your perspective on it, and then you can give me the facts around it, because I don't know what's going on with this. And you said that there's something, uh, so you don't know. So we're both going into this swinging blindly. (laughs) I read an article two years ago, and that's (laughs) that's where we got this. Do you know about this? A little bit. Okay. Throw one in there, uh, too. Uh, yeah. A tiny bit, tiny bit. Tiny All right, bit. so what do you know on it? All I know is I saw something recently about a lot of these horses um, being sold off basically for meat. Oh, and it's like other countries? In, uh, Let me see if I can find the article. Okay. I read something recently about it, and that's why I was like, I think All I right. know what you're You'll be Jamie about. right now, and then we can <laughs> debate this and right. figure it out. So off my first instinct on it. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to say is probably not the popular opinion of most Americans for sure, Uh but of people. I do not see a core problem, and I do not have a problem with horses becoming game and people shooting them. To eat them? Whatever the law states. I (laughs) I feel like it has to be a a legal thing. Whatever the law states should be what it is. I'm not saying go out and murder horses. Right. What I'm saying is if it becomes such a problem that a state deems it necessary to harvest or whatever to maintain the population, then I have no problem with it. Well, because right now the best thing they got is they just – they get these guys with uh, ARs. They go up in helicopters. They just – 
You know, so it's like pigs. It is. It, honestly, it is. They just kill a bunch of them because there's just so many, and they try to capture some and then sell them off at different um, wild horse stallion uh, auctions and stuff. But where they is, can't. Where's this at? Just, what? Where's this problem at? Uh, Midwest. I think it's like Utah, uh, Montana, like that kind of area. Um, I know Cumberland Island has a bunch of off the coast of Georgia has a bunch of wild horses, right. but. So, other countries actually eat horse. Yeah, it's I know. A, it's a delicacy, I believe, in, like, France. Yeah, I know every, you, like, almost every country. I know horse. you can order horse right. at a restaurant. Yeah. So, to sit here and me, after saying so long, so long, of I don't think that you should personify animals mm-hmm. And all this other stuff. We can personify dogs, though. I don't think you should personify a dog. Oh, man. I don't think. That's the real question of the night. The the thing is with it, we can discuss that, too. (laughs) I don't hold any animal to the same standard that I hold a human being. Right. I do not hold their life as valuable as a human's life. There's humans and there's dogs just underneath them. And then way down below, there's everything else. Right. Which I've been pretty clear with, like friends and stuff saying that I wouldn't eat the two pieces of meat that I would probably never eat is any sort of canine okay or any sort of monkey yeah monkey or or ape there it's too close to us I can't it's yeah. not it's not that I don't think I think that other cultures that do are lesser than or anything like that no, you don't think that it's no I do not think that okay. it's it's too close to the monkeys are too close to us for sure in my mind, to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it was a dire situation, I could not bridge that gap and make it right, right in my mind. And it's like, just something I want. Instead of like dying, you would do that. Right. Just like if I was, if it was an apocalyptic scenario, I'm not saying I wouldn't go cannibal. <laughs> but, <laughs> and then dogs, just because I've had so many of them in my life, they're my best friends. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Like, I do hold it slightly in a higher regard than most animals yeah i hate to admit but i'm not personifying it if it came down between your life and even hatches right i'm gonna save you oh thank you cliff it's no animal's life is as meaningful as a human's to me definitely um with that being said back to the horse scenario if it's causing a true issue Uh of like horse predator predation and all this other stuff where they can't survive they're starving to death or getting too much hoof rot there is rampant disease and all this other stuff i say clear them out yep. so that the remaining ones do have a better chance of survival and having a quality life mm. that's where i stand yeah i mean i can't sell all of them you know no. and to be honest like at the end of the day uh we got to make sure that we protect like our ecosystem as a whole, right? Like that's part of conservation. And these horses, like they're just growing up. There's no predators for them pretty much. You know what I mean? Like, right. And they're, they're, it's, a, it's technically, I guess they're naturalized now, but... But they were brought be, over from Spain, yeah, they're not, right? they're not native here. No. And so they're out competing every other animal that eats the same thing as it does, but with no uh, predators at all. Like, of course, they're just going to keep growing and growing and growing. So right. like, it, I'm... It's weird. It's like, obviously, something has to be done. We can't sell them all because you can't capture it and sell them to keep up with them. And realistically, just kind of like 
culling a whole bunch of them doesn't even keep up with the population growth anyway either so i don't want to see just a whole bunch of dead horses around so maybe you know doing something else that's why i I think if they went about it and like made it a tag of some sort and allowed people to do it then it would probably become a thing and i don't know if it's illegal or what the united states like standpoint on horse meat is yeah but it's illegal make, according to it's this article. It's legal like or 19, illegal? Seven, illegal since 1970s okay. are protected. So gotcha. I, that, I, I wonder, that's my question. I though. wonder what what the reasoning behind that. Yeah. Like why the FDA say horses are so, no And just doing animal. a little bit of reading here. So I guess before that they were being basically targeted and they were killing too many of them because they were using them for dog food. So there are so many of them being round up and slaughtered for dog food that they felt that they needed to step in and do something. And that was back in the 1970s. So now it's illegal to sell it as dog food. Correct. You cannot, so you cannot use them, from, unless I'm reading this wrong, but you cannot use them. And so that's why they're so protected in this population now. So my question is, who's ever eaten horse meat and why wouldn't you ever eat horse meat? Actually, you would not. No, I actually have. You have. Okay. How it, was it? In France. It's a little weird. Now, is it weird mentally or how does it taste? It's a little weird mentally just coming from an American mindset. So if I set that in front of you and you didn't know it was horse and you ate it, what would you have thought? Probably very similar to like a lean beef venison-y type thing. So let's take the federal production away and start selling it and let people eat it. There you go, right? It's weird. Because it's still got that stigmatism to it where people are like, I want to say say the reason I did was because I was in France and I knew I wasn't going to get it here. (laughs) So might as well while I can. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a meat that it's like, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna. Horse meat. I'm not gonna say I want. <laughs> yes. What do you want tonight for dinner, babe? Horse. I want horse. I'm craving me some <laughs> black beauty. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's like that, but uh, it's not bad. It's definitely edible right. if you can get past the mental aspect of it. Yeah, I wouldn't say I ate the whole thing, but. Well, I got a sea biscuit barbecue going on this weekend, so you guys <laughs> come on over. But I would report back. <laughs> I would still say if it's that much of an issue that it should be something that's. The state should step up Correct. and say, hey, we are opening tags for this, and the federal government or whatever should make it Let the not illegal. Decide. It's a problem in your state. It's not a problem down in Florida, but it's a problem in your state, and let your state take care of it. Yeah, but the, the, you'd have to get the national level Correct. to say it's no longer to illegal. To, yeah. Right. Um, which I think that it's been around so long enough that there's probably enough people who would up snub their nose at it anyway just right. like a lot of people do with crawfish or anything else like oh it very quickly become like yeah only those type of people do that yeah, yeah. I, and that's what i think yeah interesting which i'm not i'm not saying anything bad about crawfish i absolutely love them i love crawfish oh, do you yeah. suck the guts i yeah. do yeah yep. i suck pretty much everything out yep. of it yeah that i can um and that's crawfish, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not horse meat. <laughs> but uh, I, I think it would come up as a stigma, like a, only those type people. Like, that's a southern thing and gross. Like, right. I know a lot of people who think crawfish are absolutely just yeah. gross. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, it's absolutely No, because if you didn't grow up going to, like, crawfish boils and stuff, like, yeah. you probably think it's pretty gross. Yeah. Especially when you see people, like, getting the mustard and everything on and right we need to do that at some point have a big old crawfish boil 
Yeah, and we got to mm-hmm. get moving on it. Otherwise, we're going to miss it. I know. Okay, one more question. Which is better, quality days, not many fish, but big, or quantity days, many small fish? I would say you're framing your day wrong in general on both of those. Huh. I like that, yeah. Okay, but why are they framing their day wrong? I feel like, yes, the ultimate goal anytime we go out is to catch or kill something, mm-hmm. to harvest, essentially, or photo for the gram. Yeah. Um, but I feel like if you're doing it for the gram or doing it for that sole purpose, you're going to have a lot of days you're where you're, exa- you're extremely dissatisfied with it. And I saw someone post on Instagram or something the other day, or someone is a quote I saw. It's like, maybe you're you're so bored is because you picked a hobby to look cool for the gram instead of doing it because you're passionate about it. Oh yeah. oh yeah, and I think that correlates to what we're talking about in the meaning that if you're just going to get your hands on it or something like that, yes, that is the ultimate goal. That is what we want. That is what we strive for. But to say, is it a good day because I got this or is it a good day because I got to get out there and try this? Yeah. And I feel like if you're finding the happiness in the process of it or you're finding the happiness in just being out there, that is the goal. Yeah, right. Like that's the true goal. That's what's going to keep on saying, bringing you back out there and going forward and learning more and more about it, which is going to equate to more fish, bigger fish, yeah. more animals down, bigger animals down. And I like it. Okay, but what's the better day? Big One big fish or just a bunch of small fish? It, it depends. I mean, if you have one big fish days all the time and you're out there busting your butt for 12 hours for one fish, that can get old. Yeah. If you go out every single day and you're catching 102-inch brookies, That'll get old. So I think I you catch, have to. I can catch brookies all day. See, there, well, day. then there's your answer. No, my so, answer for yeah, sure so is it's a bunch of small I, fish. For sure. I, 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 think, a bunch I think you got to have fish. both. But honestly, I'm more on the fewer fish, more quality fish. Days. Really? Yeah. Because I can get as much ex- joy, like Cliff was saying, I can get much joy out of the experience. For sure. Um, it's not. And that's one of the things I love the most about fly fishing is it's, it's not necessarily just about catching the fish. Yeah. It's about getting out there and getting outside and enjoying nature. And, you know, fly fishing takes you to beautiful places. They say that for a reason. Right, and, it really does. And being able to get out there and you may, you may, there's always something new to learn. There's always some new water. There's, you yeah. know, there's always something new to learn. So, it, you know, I can get great enjoyment out of there just going out fishing. Yeah. Right, so. I agree. Uh, however, though, with the multiple, I feel like every time I hook into a fish, I learn something. And yeah. so if I'm hooking into more fish, I'm learning more and more. And I say, like, I'm not enjoying just being out there yeah. tromping in the water, right? Like, that brings yeah. me back to my childhood and makes me, like, super nostalgic every time I go fish. Just yeah. because of that alone, you know. But um, And to kind of cheat with this question, I know spots in Colorado, you can go catch 100-plus fish, and they're all 16 to 20 inches. So, oh, so you win there's, both there's spots. <laughs> there's spots where you can win on both of those. So. <laughs> Quality fish and, and a ton of them, yep. <laughs> I would say slotted fish. That's your like, goal. A like, bunch of slots. A bunch <laughs> of fish that I can actually take home. <laughs> Hitting your limit super early. Uh, all right, guys. Those are good questions. However, I do like that uh, idea of Cliff versus Zach every week. So, 
Please, maybe guys. not every week because we have to get enough like for support sure. behind it for sure. But if you have a good question that you think would be fun for us to, and it, it's an easy question to take two sides on. Uh, yeah, I feel like these were a little lackluster because we kind of sided on both of them what? together. Yeah, I f- and you know what? Maybe in the future too, like whatever side you choose, I'll pick the other side. But I got to do more research to you know maybe like we find this out like a couple days in advance, we can look into it, you, you know, kind of get a both sides yeah. of the argument. Because I can play both sides, right? Like I, in debate in high school, I had to do that. It didn't matter what your op- actual opinion was. You just kind of picked a side. But I can convince myself of anything. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. That yes. explains a lot. <laughs> 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 And welcome back to Cliff versus Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, really. (laughs) All right, you guys ready? We got our wood typical chip call. All right, let's listen to it. I I think this is a long one. Yeah, about two minutes. Yeah. Hey, fellas. This here wood typical chip giving you another call. Uh, Well, you know, I just figure, you know, what he's talking about my pump jacks, okay, and oil and you know, everything's going, and, uh, you know, boys, I know, you know, I know y'all's got me a little, you know, got me a little round up, okay, <laughs> all right, no fooling, you know, because, you know, I'm an old man, okay, you know, I like, I like everything old, okay, you know, ain't nothing wrong with it, okay, and, you know, if you want to have an electric vehicle, okay, you can, all right, not a big deal, uh, but, you know, we, we like oil out here, okay, so, I there, you know, I, felt, I thought maybe, you know, I'll just, you know, let y'all listen to my pump jacks, and, uh, you know, I got I got to, got some clients with me actually right now. They're uh, sitting in the pickup area, you know. And, uh, uh, but uh, uh, you know, we're doing good. Okay, give them pigs. All right, and it's, it ain't the morning time, but I, you know, just thought I would go by, and I just like you know, I thought we ought to, you know. Oh, don't, hey! Oh, look at that pig right there! Get get that pig! Hey! Oh my God! Right there, boy, I tell you what. <laughs> that changed quickly. Yeah, that's how you do it right there. That escalated. Well, I told y'all we had pigs. I told y'all we had pigs. We got them out here. We got them pigs. Oh, gosh. Did we? Is that it? What's it done? No. I want to hear what happened. Is, is anything is else just happen? is it just pump jets at this Did point? Would tip make it or that pig take him down? There were shots. There were there are clearly shots. Can a pig operate a firearm? <laughs> oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> go on. I told you talking to your boy that pig go running across, okay? <laughs> uh, anyhow, well we gotta go get this pig and uh, you know. That's how we do it, boys. That's how we do it. So you know they come running out and we gotta get them. So we got them groceries now, so all right, well, I just figured I'd drop you guys a note to see how y'all doing. Uh, you know, y'all keep it up. I appreciate you boys. What was this that in the Y'all have a good week. Sound like a dog crying? It did sound like a dog or something. something. Oh, man. Well, hey, Woodtip, congratulations <laughs> on, on getting your groceries. <laughs> I wasn't expecting a mid-podcast, but hey, man, I guess get them while you can. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Oh man, that's great! Hey, good job, <laughs> good job, Wood Tip. <laughs> I um, want him to send us pictures. I, know. I wonder if he knows how to work the camera on his They're phone. Probably not. No, it might come with like his finger in the foreground or something. <laughs> yeah, he just the covered pic- up. <laughs> just be like, 
It'd be like, here's the best one I can get. That's finger will be right where the pig is. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well. I got to say, that's probably the best one. For sure, yeah. That's been my favorite one so far. A little action. A little, uh, didn't know if he was going to make it. <laughs> oh, man, that was great. All right, so on that note, we're going to launch right into I got our... A question. Did he yeah. just throw down his phone and go away, or did he yeah. drop his phone? I like to imagine that he probably just dropped it. Like in the, in heat the, of the excitement? Moment. Yeah, it was like, going to pull out his, uh, his gun, and then in that action, he dropped his phone. The gunshots sounded like they were too far from him, so I bet it was one of the clients. Well, I hope he wasn't running while he was shooting. I mean, probably not. He said he had clients with him. Oh, yeah, that's right. So he must have been guiding for pigs or something. It's true. Yeah. Oh, man. That's great. Uh huh. Oh, wait. So we're we ready for Arm Patrol? Yeah, we All are. Right. <coughs> Got a short one. So uh, this uh, article comes from kicks105.com. And it's part of my Game Warden series that I've kind of found, and I'm going to be reading through over the f- few weeks until I get tired of it. Uh, but to Atascosa County, uh-huh. so the county, I think it's just below Bear, which is where we are. Atascosa? Atascosa. Yeah, Atascosa <laughs> County Game Wardens followed up on pending investigations at a suspect's property uh, when the two Game Wardens found that the suspect was growing marijuana in a building behind his house, and he saw it straight through a screen door. What? Yeah, so he was following up on a pending investigation Uh and goes down to the people's house and in their outback shed or whatever uh, has a screen door, and they're growing marijuana plants just right there. Clear as day open, like... Proud. I guess that's probable cause, right? Yeah, and that's what they said. <laughs> uh, the game wardens questioned on, on it, and they said it was for personal use, and they uh, did did give consent for the uh, wardens to search the home uh-huh. where they found uh, drug par- paraphernalia uh, in the home. Uh-huh. And so what they did was they cited... Uh, the suspects for the marijuana plants and the uh, paraphernalia. Uh, besides that, the investigation is still ongoing. Yeah, which I don't know how. Like, how much more investigating? It's like, <laughs> yeah. is it here or is it not? Right. Like, I clearly <laughs> see this. Like, are you growing it? The no, evidence. No, no. That's poison ivy. So yeah, I, the the gall of. People growing it just so like blatantly yeah. right there, you you, you got to be expecting to get caught. Yeah, you're, you're asking think, for like, it put almost. It in a closet in a back room. And yeah, your shed. do hydroponic lights and there's something. something. Grow it. There's better situations. Yeah, and I don't know how it would grow in Atacusa County because it's pretty hot and sandy soil down there. Oh, I don't know. So I it had to <laughs> been in potted plants. I, well, oh, I, it's probably potted. For I sure. know the the. Because uh, I've looked at a house down there and whatnot before. But I feel like this is, the climate here is too hot for them. And I feel like the the inside. soil down there I know is extremely sandy, which isn't good to grow any type of crop. No. So I'm assuming it had to, and being in a shed, it had to have been in, a, in pots. But 
if you're going to grow it in a shed, why not just swap out the door so it's not so blatantly obvious? Yeah. That's my question. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. <coughs> they probably didn't ask themselves that question. Yeah, probably not. I imagine they weren't thinking like, oh, I bet some game warden's going to walk by our door and see this <laughs> happening. I mean, they weren't the cream of the crop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Uh, have you guys ever looked into like how like the um, illegal pot growing in like national parks affects wildlife and stuff around the area? They just get high and munchies. <laughs> no, it's not just that though, because they use these pesticides to keep. Uh, they keep it. It kills uh, some wildlife yeah. and other uh, vegetation and stuff, which is the issue with in using any type of herbicide right. or poisons. Because I know what's the AG, the Agricultural General uh, for Texas name, Sid, Sydney something. Not sure. I know the AG or the Attorney General. Yeah, it's not the Attorney General. It's the guy over the agriculture he started instituting the use of uh some sort of poison to help mitigate wild hogs but other animals were getting into it and killing off a bunch of other stuff so i don't think like poisoning things is the correct move in any way shape or form because you can't control what's getting into it what if we use nanobots to kill the hogs why not use helicopters and rednecks? I mean, that's clearly working. Yeah, it's so. working extremely well. <laughs> and I'm all for it. Oh, man. Hey, we got a question last week. Uh, do you think you could be a conservationist without being an environmentalist? I, I, I think both of those terms Define are... Define lo- them for me. Yeah, I think both of those terms can be loaded. For sure. Um, I feel like you can be a conservationist and not be a tree-hugging hippie. Right. I think you can't be a conservationist and not at least some sort of an environmentalist in the sense that most conservationists aren't saying, aren't out there like save all trees and stuff, but they're like, we have to have trees for coverage for animals because they live in them. And they're also saying, don't throw your plastics in the water. Don't throw your QT cup on the side of the road. It ends up here. Things get in it. It disrupts the ecosystem. So I think in that sense, they are environmentalists. I think there's a huge overlap between the two. Like somebody Definitely. who would claim themselves as a conservationist yeah. versus somebody who could claim themselves as an environmentalist. I feel like there's a lot of overlap. Correct. Well, a lot of conservation organizations, pick one. Just name one off the top of your head. Try to limit it. Trout Unlimited is doing stuff to protect streams, uh, to have clean water mm-hmm. access, to do, uh, to build up habitat for Trout Unlimited. That all follows underneath environmentalism. In, in, exactly. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Ducks Unlimited. They're cleaning up and doing waterfowl uh, habitat restoration, restoration, yeah. all this other stuff. Got to be smart about it. That that's the thing. exactly. You've got to be smart about it, and you can't get too extreme one way or the other. Right. It's like, it's like there's a means to an end not, with one. I, so the biggest thing for me, like, is you look at wildfires. Different states control their wild, they control the forest and you know the undergrowth and everything, and they'll go in and they'll clear it out, mm-hmm. and you know they'll take down some trees here and there because it's better if there's a big wildfire. Naturally, which is what, natural thing. Like, which is what California ran into Correct. when they had their big wild wildfires. Yep. I guess it was last year, mm-hmm. year yeah. before. Uh, when they had all their big wildfires is because they weren't allowing people to go in and clear out that underbrush that is fuel for the fires and stuff. So if they had been doing that and doing prescribed fires, 
the fires would not have gotten that as out yeah. of hand. Well, as obviously, they did. yes and no because no, they have steps for sure. But also, they do. I mean, like they're in like a drought they've never seen oh, yeah, before. Yeah, you know, yeah. what I mean, like and, there's other factors and there's to environmental it, but, factors that are right adding to that as but well. But if you still cut that out and cut out the the fuel for the fire by doing prescribed burning, it might help a little. It's bit, going for sure. to help because in Colorado right now, where my where my family lives, uh, they got hit really bad by the beetle kill. So, oh, yeah, all, yeah. I mean, there's just, it's so sad. Uh, and all, you know, all these trees are just dead. Yeah, all over the because place. of all the beetles. Yeah. So they've gone in and they're, they're cutting them down because literally they're just, just timber burn. waiting to yeah. burn. Yeah. So, um, so me saying you got to be smart about it is you got to do what's in the best interest of the environment. And For you sure. got to be, so I think it can go both ways. But there is major overlap between the two. Right, right. I, yeah, I'd agree. I mean, and I like, think there's such bad connotation tied up to saying oh i'm an environmentalist so that automatically right. means uh you're living in a tree house in the, in the forest you know right and wearing the other way in a skirt but something and i didn't have fault with what you were saying about it oh they were in such a bad drought that unprecedented and all this other stuff mm-hmm. we go into droughts all the time here yeah and but they're forest, pretty like, bad but, but our forests are different we yeah. have a different environment right but we also allow prescribed burning as well, that's, that's and that's my point. You got to be smart about it. Like you've got to mm-hmm. do what's in the best interest right. of nature and everything around nature. Right. You know, you got to be smart about For it. For sure. Yeah, I don't think that we can go not to get political, but I don't think that we can go full bore New Green Deal type stuff for environmentalism. Right. But I do think if people took responsibility and i think that's what a major issue with oh, for sure. every uh, across the board on everything, everything <laughs> is people don't take responsibility for themselves and people don't take responsibility for their actions no i'm not going to say the person who's throwing out a mcdonald's bag full of trash from their vehicle at a stoplight because they don't want it in the vehicle anymore that person's an asshole right <laughs> Yeah, I think we all can probably agree on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to say all plastics have no point in our society, right? Is something extreme. extremely yeah. different. Well, I don't think it's necessarily plastics. I think they're saying like single-use plastics, right? Like the single-use things that we could get do away with. Yeah, right, right. I, I'm like, agree with that. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, and I, straws are well, the, a, min, a minimal okay, amount. Like, yeah. yeah, straws. And I hate drinking drinking from those paper straws. Paper straws, things are and awful. metal straws suck too. They yeah. are, there's no good straw. Just drink from the <laughs> lid. Correct. Just drink from the side of the. <laughs> That's cup. what I'm saying. Like you cut it all out. Uh, just drink like a, a normal person did. <laughs> However, though, there are some things that are so. Like if you go buy, like you can go to H E B and you can buy an orange that's pre-peeled. In a plastic container, like yeah, it's that's like, ridiculous, yeah, right? Yeah. Like we can all agree. How lazy are we? Right? <laughs> like yeah, like that's the, the point of an orange is that it comes or any fruit is that it comes in its own container, yeah. right? And yeah. and I and like there are like there is a very real effect that's having like on fish populations with microplastics oh, yeah. making it to the oceans yeah. and uh, I mean, the it's way a real thing. It's it, not just made up, right? It's, it's not made up. Point. Uh, but I do think that there is a there's a lot of overlap between the two. One thing I totally agree with, and I never used to think about this until my girlfriend brought it up, is you know plastic bags. Like you know, and everybody gets up in arms about oh well, well we should be able to use plastic bags. I don't think that they're necessary. They're not. They're man. not. I, and it is so much easier to carry five cloth reusable bags in from the store than 97 plastic bags. I I will say you look really cool and strong but it's so much more (laughs) convenient. I will say the the only thing I have with like the reusable bags like that. They're great for Uh trash bags. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the plastic ones are great for trash bags. 
But the only issue I have with using like the you buy the HEB dollar bag or whatever uh, to put all your groceries and stuff in. Right. I don't have a problem with people using them. I have a problem with me using them because I forget it <laughs> yeah. every single yeah. time. Yep. Oh, yeah. You yeah, just got to get a habit to put it back in. As soon as you put the groceries up, put it back. And in I keep car. telling myself but to what do this, I, think, and I still don't do it. But yeah. put it back into your truck so that yeah. they're next time. What I think that they should do is with this push, why not bring back paper bags? There are some places that are. You, you can still. You, there's places where you can still. Yeah, get paper bags. But it's not the go-to. It's not. It's not your normal. No, hey, we're pulling can, out paper bags. So they I can think that they should. Bags. Like if you cut out the plastic bags from the grocery store, uh, go back to the paper bags. I think realistically that will be a change that happens at some point. Yeah. Again, it'll go from plastic to paper in, yeah. in probably the next five. But years. But the paper bags hold way more. They do. Yeah. And especially the ones with a nice little handle, like they're easier yeah. to carry too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are nice. And yeah. Then I can use them for other stuff. Yeah, I can use it to right. start fires, burn yeah. things. Hey, and if you got to charge me five cents a bag, whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. I'll pay the. No, five. I don't want to be charged for it. But <laughs> hey, but then they can offer an incentive if you bring it back and you bring somebody back, then you're actually recycling, doing it better. Then there's right. like a re- you know, you get your money back. What? Back. Yeah. What if you save five cents for every bag you bring back? Yeah. Even though you paid it, now it's. Oh. You're going to bring them back. Yeah, I guess you would. <laughs> right? i do that. Yeah. I don't know. I think the real crux of the issue is that people need to take responsibility for, oh, for themselves. Sure. Yeah. And for sure. Don't just fill up your beer can when you're floating the river and let it sink to the bottom. Oh. Don't just. Who does that? You'd be surprised. You would be, don't, yeah. Like, don't just fling your whatever out the window because you're yeah. tired of carrying it. Don't throw your Snickers wrapper <laughs> on the ground. Right. Take it out. It's not adding anything. It's not. Put yeah. it in your pocket. Put it in a bag pocket. Right. You'll clean it out at some point, and you're not ruining a space for other people, and you're not ruining the environment yeah. for it. It does. It makes me, like, livid if I go to, like, on a river or something, and I just see, like, tons of trash. Oh, man, out. Like, it doesn't make me livid. It man, just makes me makes yeah. me lose hope for hum- humanity. <laughs> Which we got to have, have roundup, trash roundup days. And yeah, yeah. And, and that goes back to the conservationists versus environmentalists. Right. A lot of conservation do, groups do do trash pickups right. down at they the do. river or... Like actively trying uh-huh. to change it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. For sure. Well, cool. Well, that was a good conversation. Yep. That'll get heat more. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Well, now I got a creature watch for you. So... This week, I bring you the story of the British Big Cats. You heard about this? Uh-uh. So, for years, there has been stories... Like griffins? Mm, not like, oh, that would be a good one. No, not like griffins, though. No, but in uh, Britain, there are sightings and rumors and theories that there are thousands of big, huge cats that live, on, uh, that live in the UK that are just living in caves that nobody ever sees. What's that? I think I have heard about these. Mm-hmm. But the way I heard it is like they're not big cats like a puma, jaguar, mountain lion, or anything like what we have here or that other countries have. But they're like slightly bigger, beefier house cats. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so there's a little bit of both. Like the rumors go both ways. Uh, if you guys had to take a guess of when the first sighting was, what would you think? Stone Age? <laughs> Stone Age. Uh, I'm going to have to go back to some druid times. What's a druid time? Like well, I know it's druid from like D&D, like mages who turn into animals. Uh, the druids were the <laughs> ones who built the uh, Stonehenge. 
Yeah, okay, you're, so like you're gonna. Like I, I, I'm, I'm saying you're you're, you're gonna like have to get, here. So you're going yeah, BC, okay? Kind of, sort of. I, I, I don't think it's necessarily BC, but definitely during like some paganistic times. Okay. okay. So give me, England, give me give me a date. Who? When did Affles, When did Athelstan unite? Five. You're five. <laughs> just, just five. Just five. five. I'm throwing out five. I'm gonna say seven <laughs> hundreds. BC or AD? AD. Okay. Because um, it would have to be somewhere in the time frame that, like, Athelstan and Athel, the, the Athels were united the the kingdoms. Okay. Uh, you guys are wrong. So, the actual oh. answer is... 1984? No. <laughs> William Cobbett, uh, this nice little British boy in the 1760s, okay. said he had seen a cap that was as big as a spaniel. And I like imagine a cocker? like a cock. No, I probably like a Britney, like a big spaniel. Okay. But it doesn't okay. specify. So I've could. seen I've seen Maine Coons that are as big as a Britney <laughs> spaniel. That's still not <laughs> that big. So you know, it does not specify the spaniel. It could be so it could just be a little bit larger than a house cat. Okay, right, or right. it could be the size of like a lion. lab, right? A lion, right? <laughs> so maybe no. <laughs> even English spaniels are still fairly small, like compared to a lab or a chessie or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, so, uh-huh. so we're we're in between. We're in between a house cat. We're in between um, a okay size, a smallish, right? Big, so exactly. Small. It you know what? It doesn't say extremely large British cats. It just okay. says it just British big like, cats. That's all they're that's all they're called, guys. Okay. Um, but. So over the years, right, people kind of And used he said it was a little boy. You know how they like to exaggerate. And I'm going to yeah. talk about why scientists actually think that we, this happens anyways. Um, so uh, <laughs> as uh, the years went by, more and more people kind of claimed them. It seemed to be something that people would actually use as like if they lost some livestock and they didn't know what to blame. Or maybe they even wanted to blame themselves. That they would like tell somebody like, "Oh man, like, oh it's all Henry's cocker spaniel." <laughs> yeah, or the la- <laughs> that, la- that large cave cat came out of nowhere. But you guys say it in British. Uh, that large cave cat came out of nowhere. Got and got my got my bangers and mash. I mean, baked beans for breakfast. So yeah, so that's what it seemed like. And most people didn't want to actually admit their own wrongdoing with livestock, so they used the big cats to kind of claim that. However, there were times when they would uh, report that across a county there would be like hundreds of livestock that had been killed, and there was really no explanation to why, especially when they leave the carcass. Yeah, mad um, cow disease. There is. They no already. <laughs> we know they have an issue with that. <laughs> There is no actual explanation because most big cats cannot live in there. There's just there's never been any. There's never been actual any sightings, any deaths of them. Um, but scientists believe that uh, a man named George Monbiot, who is who wrote a book called Feral, believes that humans are programmed to notice things that might be big cats because of our prehistoric times. Right? It's like. In our old days, we're trying to just, you know, not die every day, that we would be prepared to see big cats because that was probably our, our biggest threat. Our biggest predator would be like a big cat. And so we are pre-programmed to imagine cats to kind of give us like a, uh, like a flight response to it. So if you see a cat in the wild, it's probably not a cat. So Cliff believes that in Texas, <laughs> in South Texas, that we got a, a cougar, right? That's what you think you saw, like a puma? I know. Uh, I saw a mountain lion. A mountain lion. Okay, so okay. cougars, pumas, and mountain lions are all the same thing. Do you guys right. know that? Depends yes. on where you're at. 
Exactly. So, realistically, it's probably just Cliff's fight or flight response from prehistoric times kicking in, telling him that that shadow was. No, I know it was <laughs> no, a melt. I, I, I believe him because no. I've seen a bunch of game cameras and mountain lions on them. Yeah, West in, Texas. In, uh, West and South. In the hill country, there's definitely mountain lions. Yeah. yeah I, I believe. I can't say this one for sure because I never saw it, but one time I was fishing the Pedronalis with Landon. Or was it Sam? I think it was Landon this time around. And Landon got ahead of me. It was right when we were trying to do the walkie-talkie thing. Were you around for that? When we all got walkie-talkies? I think so, and yeah. all this other stuff. So, Landon had just got a set of walkie-talkies. I had gotten a set of walkie-talkies and stuff. I got the Garmin Rhino, and I was wanting to use it and everything. And we were fishing. So, Landon got a good little ways ahead of me, probably about a mile down the river mm-hmm. from me. And I was fishing this one hole, and from behind me, I just hear, uh-huh. like up the hill, because you know it's kind of canyony right, right. right there. And I, I turn around and look, and I don't see anything. And as I'm facing back, I just hear, again. And then that's when I uh, radioed Landon. I was like, did you hear that? And he's like, no. What was it? I was like, I don't know what it was, but it was something growling. And I'm coming over to you. <laughs> so I, I ran down the river to catch up with Landon. He never heard it, but uh-huh. it was kind of spooky. I can't say that as a mountain lion. I can't say that it was a, a bobcat or anything what? like that in that instance. But I do know when I was hunting South Texas, sitting in the blind, a big cat, and everyone says, oh, it's a bobcat. But there were no bobcat markings on it. It was flat tan with a long tail. Well, there and there are mountain lions, like I said, in the hill country. Like that's a for sure thing. Yeah, and we know they're around. Right. We know. Th- uh, and who's to say one just didn't go walking down south? One well, day. they they even know that there's two that live inside of Bear Six County. Four, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, Canyon. why is that where they are? I think so. Yeah. Why would it be unreasonable? That I just got, I just got lucky one day. I'm not saying that it's rampant down there. That you can, you should go target specifically this, and you're going to be successful. Yeah, I'm saying what I saw was a big tan cat with a long tail, which in my mind is a mountain lion. Yeah, bobcats are normally shorter than this was. They have a tail. They had, they don't have a tail. It's bobbed off, and they have markings on them. It's not flat tan. This one was flat tan. Yeah. Yeah. It just they have a wide range in which they will yeah. roam. So and I have it on camera, just unfortunately it's on a GoPro which only does a two time mm-hmm. zoom and when you're Yeah. I had the 30 same feet, problem when I saw Bigfoot too. Thirty foot up in the air. They, they, that's exactly how it is. That's exactly what like it feels like because when I brought it back, we pulled it up and everything, and you're trying to zoom in, but (laughs) then it gets all All distorted and grainy and stuff. The the only thing I know is we have a scientific reason as to why you would have seen a bobcat or a mountain lion down there. That's one thing I know. Yeah, I'm not British, though. (laughs) So so the only last thing I have is uh, there actually have been big cats there, but they've usually been pets that people released. And actually in 2000, an 11-year-old boy was actually attacked by a big cat, and it left, like, a clearly big cat scratch marks across his face. Um, Authorities were able to track down the cat, tranquilize it, put it in a zoo, and then when it died a few years later, they stuffed it and put it in a museum. 
So nice. you can go see the official big cat of Britain at this museum. So I feel like they were just overfeeding their house cats. There's a mountain lion. That one was for sure. It's interesting. Not a bobcat. That is interesting. The one that they have at the museum. Yeah. It's a mountain lion. It's a mountain lion. It, like I said, it was a pet that somebody had. Uh, There's no way it was a mountain lion. Then. It's in uh, Inverness Shire, Scotland. Did they got a picture of it? Yeah, you can see the stuffed one. See? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Does that look yeah. like your animal? Or did it look? Or did your uh, animal it look? It does like look like my animal. There you yeah, go. That's my lion. Well, was it stuffed? That's crazy that yeah, that'd be nuts. in Britain though. Yeah. Like well, they, I mean, like you said, somebody brought it over as a pet. Yeah. Uh, and now it's illegal to own big cats in Britain because of it. Yeah, makes so. sense. I mean, did y'all see that tiger roaming around Houston recently? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I saw something the other day, or a girl at work pulled up a picture, and it was a giant snake, and they were the photograph said it was found in the Guadalupe. Oh, was it, it, it giant clearly photoshopped? It, clearly, well, photoshopped. no, it wasn't. They just lied about where it was. It was it's clearly in Florida, some. Right? No, it was clearly some. Oh, the, like the, the uh, Amazon, yeah, Amazon area, and it was clearly an anaconda. Yeah, that, well, I saw the same so thing you post. Somebody there's put actually it on. a uh, breeding pair of large either pythons or anacondas in Florida now because of uh, pets that people let loose. Oh, no, it's a huge, it's, it's it's a huge, a huge yeah. deal in the Everglades. Huge yeah. problem. Huge problem. You can get paid. You can make that your full-time job. Yep. Is it going they're, around killing pythons? They're paying yes. you enough money. Yep. That would be, sp- like, I'm not going to lie. In like South snakes, Florida. Snakes freak me out, you know. Like, I don't mind holding them, but, like, snakes in water freak me out because I can't move as fast as they can. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, snakes... Like no, a I huge have a anaconda. Health, I have a healthy respect for them. Yeah, that's. And I guess by that's that, I mean, I want nine foot distance between me yeah. and them at all times. You've seen those cotton mouths like come after the people in the kayaks. You know, like, cotton mouths are cotton mouths are exceptional because they're actually they they're will, territorial. They'll, they will come yeah. after you. Right. Most other snakes, they don't want anything to do with you. They're they going to leave you alone. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cotton mouths, they'll they'll attack you. Yeah. They'll yeah. They're the you. only snake yep. that's territorial. At least yep. the ones that we can actually encounter. Yeah, I don't. But I do agree with you, water snakes. We were just at Canyon Lake over the weekend, and we were just sitting there floating in the water, mm-hmm. having some drinks, and all of a sudden, I, I saw something pop its head up, and I was like, oh, look, a turtle. And it kind of got up. I was like, that's about a six-foot-long snake. I couldn't tell what it was. But yeah. I was like, ah. Most of the time, they're just those water snakes. You know, the, they look very similar, except for their heads. Yep. But they look that's very the similar. Until you see a mating ball float down the river. A what ball? A mating ball. Oh, just a whole bunch of snakes yeah, just having a big old... That's the grossest thing. I Big think. old corgi? Yeah. It's super gross. All right. Mainly because it's a bunch of moccasins, and those are the nastiest snakes, I think. They are, yeah. They yeah. smell. They musk everywhere. Oh, guys, don't don't take a big old waft this one, guys. Waft it. Oh, are we already on to this? Yeah, we're, we're moving on to our last segment, guys. So we got one more whiskey. Will brought us another. So what are we drinking now, Will? This is uh, out of Austin. It's called Still Austin. Mm-hmm. And... Um, this is their limited release of their cast strength. This is so hard to find. Like, it, people have been fighting to find it, these on the shelves. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it's still out there. Um, you can still get it, but I found this one at Specs. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, I think there was two on the shelf when I stumbled into it. So, I was definitely excited to get it, though. Yeah, it, uh, for, it's <laughs> like, it's not like, everybody like, like, 
gonna pull a knife on you or anything or for it. But no, like, correct. Pretty much but as fast they go on the shelves, they pop yeah, off. Yeah, they the do shelves. because I mean, and there's a reason this why. Is it's it is pulling knives. It is de- uh, people get <laughs> true, crazy. True. It's delicious. It it is very very good. Yeah. Um, it's coming in, I believe, one eighteen. Yeah, one hundred eighteen proof. And still, uh, Austin's a relatively new distillery. Has a um, good caramel color. And I, the thing I like about Still Austin is they have not. At least when I was there, I went before they actually had any aged bourbon. They were just releasing Moonshine because most of their product was being stored in barrels, but none of it was ready yet. None of it had aged the appropriate amount of time. And so it was just clear um, whiskeys that they had been making. Nice. But um, Yeah, they're, they're relatively new. Um, mm-hmm. They make good stuff. They do. It's very, very good. Uh, definitely a face maker. Yeah. You let it breathe a little bit before you take a big whiff. That that's why. Cool. That's why I wanted to go with yeah, the mythology sure. earlier. It's because the mythology is a, a really eighty-eight, and this is one eighteen. So well, definitely yeah. stronger. That is uh, a hot. Yep. But it, man, it, this is one. Of, this is one of the ones I like. It's obviously Cliff, try, you, anyone try everything neat, but this one goes great. If you have over any water ice, ice, if you put a little bit in it, it would make it a lot better. It opens you, it up for sure. It opens it up, makes it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, drinking that one neat is not on the table. For <laughs> Yeah, try it neat, but normally this one I, I like to put over a big ice ball. Yeah, this one has probably some of the most flavor I've had in a hot whiskey. Like, it's good. Yeah, it's really that tail good. end you get like just a yeah. little bit of something. Yep. Oh man. Yep. So this is this is probably coming in my second favorite Texas bourbon. Treaty Treaty Oak still gonna be which one? one? I would the say Ghost Hill. Ghost Hill. Ghost Hill's good. I, the day that drinker is. My favorite. is Really good. Too. They drinker's drink good, yeah. yeah. It is good. But that Ghost Hill and that Ghost Hill cast drink, oh. That also the Ghost Hill, yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. That's 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 still my favorite Texas Texas bourbon. I like this, though. But this is very, very yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a bunch of posts and stuff on it, and when I first took that first sip, I was like, oh, I see what everybody's talking about. This yeah. is delicious. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you have any? Drink a little bit of that. My water. Yeah, your water. <laughs> water down hops. Um, how much was a bottle? I believe this one was mid fifties. Okay, I can't remember off the top of my head. Gotcha. But. Pretty sure. This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it. From now through June on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure, and agony as teams go head-to-head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through the pain is the name of the game. With so much edge-of-your-seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your jersey. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs now on TNT and CBS. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour Voice Remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. It wasn't anything outrageous. No. It wasn't nothing I got to the register, and I was like, oh. Yeah, you get a couple, and you're like, and plus, I've that, done that before in some of these mom-and-pop shops, and they don't have it. 
grab something. Oh, yeah. I get up there and I'm like, oh. Yeah, you're like, no. Charging me what? Yeah. I'll put that one back. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Hey, Will, thank you for bringing these. these you're great. welcome. Yeah. Yeah, and the reason I brought these two is Texas, Colorado. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and kinda, actually kind of ties into what we're... Moves us right into our final segment. Yep. Uh, Will, you've been a Texan for how many years now? 34. Man, and so you're making the big jump and moving up to Colorado. I am. I'm sure a lot of us uh, listeners and everybody spent some time in Colorado, so uh, we're just going to pick Will's brain on that process and what it's yeah. like. And uh, so there's the reason I brought the Colorado, Colorado bourbon and Texas bourbon. Yeah. Um, yeah, so making the, making the move next month. Um, I, my family moved to Colorado from Texas um, kind of going back a little bit. I was born and raised here in San Antonio. <clears throat> um, Mom was born and raised here in San Antonio. Dad, he had moved around quite a bit. But they moved up to Colorado, fifth, I think it's been about 15 years ago now. Uh-huh. Um, they moved up and were working at a camp in <clears throat> a little town called Lake City. Um, it's a town that most people in Colorado don't know exists, but more people in Texas know exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those itty little towns that, people love to run to during the during the um, summer winter there's about 400 people there summer there's about four to five thousand wow <clears throat> so okay it's a huge vacation summer town right um so my mom and my uh little sisters still live in lake city and then my brother is in denver okay um and he's at school of mines so um got one other brother it's in denton but he was previously in colorado as well so the majority of my family is up in colorado it's always been a goal of mine. I l- absolutely love it up there. It is my happy place. Um, so I've gone back and forth on whether or not to move up there or stay here. Um, and after graduating grad school, and I figured this is the point in my life where if I don't do it now, I'm never going to. Now so, or never. you got yep. family up there anyways. So. Family's up there. And, um, yeah, so I'm making the, making the leap and – I'll uh, always, always still be a Texan, and I can come back whenever. And, For sure. But going to go uh, see what the Colorado thing's about. So. Yeah. You a little nervous? Yeah, definitely. I think, And I think that's a natural a natural part of it, and making yeah, any big, big life move. Sure. Um, you're going to be a little bit nervous. I think it's, uh, it's a healthy nervous kind of thing. You know, right. it's, it's – um, I'm not, like, freaking out and having anxiety attacks or anything. But, yeah, you yeah. know, it's a, a little bit nervous. Nervous to leave my friends and uh, everybody here and – uh, nervous to leave H-E-B um, <laughs> <laughs> and Whataburger. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. I talk to all my friends that have moved away from here, and that is that is on the top of their list. H-E-B. H-E-B. They miss yeah. H-E-B. There's just none of the grocery store like it. There, there isn't. Not. It is just – it is phenomenal. And so uh, it's funny. I've been uh, – I've been questioning everybody up there, and I, and I've got one of my best friends lives in Colorado Springs, which is where we're going. He's been up there for ten ten or so years, and uh, it, it's just funny. Everybody I talk to him out there, that's one of my first questions: is where do I go get groceries? Because I'm leaving the best grocery store yeah. in the nation, and you know, so it's, it's funny. I even had an interview today, and that was one of my <laughs> questions. I she's like, "You got any questions?" I was like, "It's totally off topic, but where do you go for groceries?" <laughs> I was like, "I got to pick everybody's brain about this." So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, oh, making, man. making the move. That's so. great. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you do a little bit of salt fishing yep. or you actually you do quite a bit of salt fishing. I do that. That's of, uh, as of probably the last three or four years that I've started doing more saltwater stuff. Um, and, uh, I absolutely love it. Yeah. yeah. So are you, um, moving up to Colorado? Are you going to kind of sell some of your saltwater gear? You no, I'm going to hold you? on to it. Cause yeah. I know, I, I know I'm still going to one, probably 
come once back a summer, or come back, else. go down to the coast for a week here or there, or you know, a lot of that saltwater stuff's going to transfer over. To, I'm still going to do trips, so I'll probably still go to Belize and make yeah. trips elsewhere. Still planning COVID kind of ruined Christmas Island, but still want to go to Christmas Island for sure. Um, I so there's yeah, everyone had that trip. Yeah, man, Christmas we Island. had that. I was looking for. We were looking forward to that for like two years, and then COVID hit, and we weren't able to do it. So, so definitely going to hold on to my saltwater stuff because I know I'll still put it to use for sure. Um, Gonna miss it though, for sure. That yeah. is, that is redfish are my have a special place in my heart. Yeah. Oh man, they're just beautiful and they fight like hell. Oh, they're they're just they're the perfect it, the, between yeah. st- stocking them and finding them in the flats and casting to tail and red and they were willing to eat, put up a good fight. They kind of do a little bit of everything. You they can kind of hunt and stalk them. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can blind cast for them every now yeah. and then. They can get picky, but for the most time, you put something in their face and they're eating. Yeah, they're, right. they're eat just it. fun to catch. Yeah. On an eight weight. I'm definitely not the best salt man, but I can appreciate a redfish. It's, yeah. So I'm definitely going to miss that. So are you going to give up all your spots when you move? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask him that. I will. I might, I might tell y'all, but <laughs> yeah, don't, not don't, broadcasting don't, it here. We just talked about hot spots last week, so <laughs> yeah. you're good. Yeah. Um, okay. So you've also, though, spent a lot of time going up to Colorado to fish. Yeah. Um, so you're already kind of familiar with the water. Yes, um, mainly more so down near Lake City. Okay, um, but not where you're going to be. Correct, yeah, yeah, down near that southwest area in the San Juans. Um, pretty familiar with that area. I've got my go-to spots, some of which have been um, graciously shown to me over the years by people that have been there in their entire lives. You know, they've taken me and kind of shown me some of these spots. And right. Obviously, you keep these spots secret, I'll kill you kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so, thankfully, I've got some of them people that have uh, showed me showed me some of those spots. And then just exploring and stomping around. So, I've, I know that area pretty well. Uh, the Colorado Springs area, don't know super well. Um, I obviously got yeah, 11-mile Cheeseman. Uh, yeah. Dream Stream's not far. I've fished Dream Stream quite a bit. Um, but I would probably... It's like a guad here. It just gets hammered and, you know, but so everybody knows still great it. fishery. It's still challenging. It's still fun. Um, so I know those spots. So I'm looking forward to more exploring, you know, like 11-mile Cheeseman in that area. So are you, are you already doing stuff. some uh, research about, like, places to go, places to um, I've done a little bit. Uh, my plan as of now is probably just to run to the dream stream until I get sick of that just because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's always. You know how to hit it. Yeah, you know. yeah, and it's always one of those spots that, you know, being down here when I go up there, I'm always looking forward to stepping in, yeah. s- stepping into the dream stream and fishing. So, probably wear that out a little bit, and then uh, kind of do some exploring. So, I kind of have an advantage too with my my buddy. He loves to fly fish too, and so he's been there ten years. So he's gonna oh. show me some spots as well. And so. that's my next question is yep. like, how do you get plugged into the community? Because in San Antonio, like I feel like most of us who fly fish in San Antonio kind of know everybody. Yeah, right. Like one, maybe it, not like best friends, but we it's know a pretty small group, right? I mean, it, it, it is, but it isn't. It, you exactly. know, it's, it's a big group, but everybody kind of knows. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> but I imagine in Colorado it's a little bit different because I feel like a larger percentage of people fly fish. Yeah. It, it, and so that's the thing about Colorado Springs. And one of the reasons I wanted to move to Colorado Springs versus, say, Denver or anywhere else is because Colorado Springs, I think, 400,000 proper areas, about 700,000. A little more low-key compared to Yeah, places. but it is a very small town. You're the three people removed kind of thing. So yeah. everybody knows everybody, that kind of thing. So once you get plugged in, you're, you know, you're pretty good. So that and then um, Angler's Covey's right there. So I'm yeah, flash shop. And in my opinion, one of the best flash shops in the country. Yeah. And, and has been Orvis and best flash shop multiple really? times. Yeah. I think 2019 was the last time they got fly shop of the year yep. so <clears throat> great fly shop um yeah I, I mean it's just about community it's about you know 
and how I met y'all guys and the right. whole community here. We just started having flying tie nights and yeah. thankful for the Orvis store that popped up in San Antonio, you know. Um, but just getting into the fly shops and meeting people. Yeah. And uh, meeting people on the river, being friendly, and so that's my plan. So outside of hitting the dream stream, uh, what is your plan to kind of – he's going to kind of explore different places or poke around? Yeah, pick people's brains, yeah. see what I can get out of people. For sure, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and, you know, you know, one of the things I loved here is uh, – or down with the coast and fishing out the coast is literally some of those spots – and people know about these spots, but for me it was like, you know, I don't give up these spots. So several of the spots I found, it literally was just Google Earth and searching. <clears throat> you know, I get on Google Earth and I'm like, okay, that looks good here. And then this goes here. And then I can get in here and, you know, kind of figuring that out. So yep. it's the same thing up there. And there's even still areas, especially down in the southwest part, since I'm more familiar with, of areas that I've got on Google Earth that I've not been to yet. Yeah. That I'm like, I know this is going to be really good. And I just haven't been able to get up into there yet. So yeah. probably a little bit of that, just finding those spots that are a little less traveled and, um, going and checking them out when you're on google earth what are you looking for <clears throat> depends on what i'm fishing for so right. here at the coast um i'm looking for is it close to the big water is there a channel flowing into it um how shallow is it uh the biggest thing with the coast is tides um kind of playing those tides a little bit and and more so some of the moon the moon phase affects those tides so checking out the moon phase up there in colorado i'm looking <clears throat> Really? How far can I get away from people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the stuff up there, it's uh, small fish, but high fish days, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So that's rewarding. Um, other spots, it's uh, it looks like it might be good. You know, go in there and see. I mean, I had one spot that I fished probably 10 years ago that I went into last summer. And it's a, it's a brutal hike in. It's one of those spots that, you know, most people don't go to. And, I mean, it took me about an hour and a half, two hours to get in, and it was all overgrown. Couldn't yeah. even fish it. But oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, yep. Man. Yep. And in the past, you know, it had been great native cutties, big brookies. Yeah. But, you know, that's part of it. It's exploring. Right. Finding out, you know. Kind of goes right. back to what we were talking about earlier. Go a little bit further. Right. Kind of enjoy the process. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously we're out there for a reason, right, to catch fish, and they're beautiful and everything. But if you don't enjoy the process, what do you do on those days where you get skunked? Correct. You can't fish because yep. it's overgrown, you yep. know. Yep, so that, that is part of the fun is exploring yeah. and uh, finding new waters and pushing it a little bit further, hiking a little bit further. You never know what's around that next bend. There could be that pool that's holding that 26-inch brown you're after. So. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, let's see. Cliff, you got anything? I'm just looking for him to go up there and invite me up go elk hunting. Oh. Yeah, so that's another great part about it is, you know, here in – here in Texas, uh, hunting is very much not a whole lot of public land. Pay to play. Yep. So um, up there, it's quite the opposite. <clears throat> so very excited about that. Um, now, once you get your driver's license, you're good to go. You can put in for a resident tag, and it's an easier draw as a resident. Correct. Because yep. every public <clears throat> land there, every bit of public land is still a draw. Yes. Right? Okay. Yep. Yep. So, um, it, as far as I know, that's the case. I'm. I need to do some more research. I think there might be a six month period. Right. Because that's what that's what I was asking. Because I think there some might states, be. A, it's like you have to be a resident for X amount I of months. I think so. Um, I need to do more some more research. But even at that, and over ca- over the ta- over the counter tag isn't too bad. So, yeah. Um, if I can't hunt this season as a resident, then I'll next season kind of. Now, and over the counter though, you probably would not be able to pull a bull. Oh, you'd probably have to go for a cow? Depends on the unit. 
Yeah, that's true. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think it, de- it really depends on the unit. There's some units that are just they have s- it's so heavily populated. They have a lot more over-the-counter tags really? uh, available. Yeah, so it really depends on the unit you go hunt. Um, but yes, you put in in the early year. It's a lottery draw. You don't get drawn. You get a preference point, um, okay. and then you build up your preference points until you get what you want. Um, even as a resident in Colorado, I mean, there's still people that wait. You know, they're hunt one to hunt those really good units. They've got those trophies. It so, still takes them a while to get. So, so some units are um, drawn. Yes, but then the over-the-counter. How do they designate what's an over-the-counter tag? Like, so like over-the-counter, you can go pay. You don't have to win it or anything. You're just like, I want one of my tags, just like how we get a white-tail tag here. Yeah, over-the-counter, okay. yep. So I think it has to do with the population density. So they do gotcha. their surveys, and they know how densely populated. And they know, like, we can sell X amount of over-the-tag. And, and how big the unit is. I'm sure it plays into it as well. Right, <clears throat> for sure. So. so then they just go, like, okay, we can sell X amount of over-the-counter for this unit, but this unit has X, it's like, so many, so we're going to do a draw for this one. Yep. Okay. As far as I know, that's how Or maybe it works, the quality of animals in this unit. That, too, yeah. So down in Lake City, um, there are some very big mule deer. Yeah. Um, big, big bull elk as well. Um, but a lot of really big mule deer down in that area. So um, it still take a while to kind of get a tag down there. So That's just so – because Texas is so weird yeah. when it comes to the way we do hunting. No, no. Yeah. Because so many people just pay. They don't even bother with public land. No. Yeah. And every other state being so public land focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's 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 almost like a new language. Not every other out. state. It's just the western states that well, have sloths it, of public yeah. land. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not talking about going to Florida or New York to hunt. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You're missing out. Yeah, no, I, I, I love <laughs> it. I absolutely love it. I, I Public land is phenomenal, and I wish Texas had more of it. Um because I literally can just go out there and camp and hike and fish, and it's just available to everybody, and right. it, it's it's great. Now, can you, you can fish the public lands, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But any other stream, Colorado has that law where it's the stream access is you own half of the river or the creek from the from the public land from the the public access side, correct? So there still is pri- there's still private land, in Colorado, right. and I believe. The, they own the riverbed. Unlike Texas. Right, where we own the riverbed, the river, everything. So if you're on private land, you can drift. They don't own the water. Right. But you cannot anchor. You cannot get out. Okay. Because they own It's private land still. But so you can drift through somebody's private ranch. Uh-huh. But what they do is they put cables over the river about three feet above. So you're going to have a hard time getting around that cable on a boat. But that's <clears> only if they own both sides of the river. Correct. Now, if you if they only own one side, Correct. and yes, you have yes, a, yes, and you have sorry. a county yes. road on the other side, or yeah. public road on the other side, yeah. then technically they halfway. own halfway point, mm-hmm. and uh, the public can access the other half. Yep. Okay. Yeah, because there's there's a couple spots I know on the Rio Grande that are like that. They butt up right against a pub, a private ranch. Right, like the places I fish in yeah. Colorado have been that way. Like yeah. everybody I've talked to has been like, okay, like you can fish here, mm-hmm. do not cross the halfway yeah. point because if you cross it, like yeah. you're in private land. If yeah. they're like, if your fly gets stuck in the tree on the other side. Yeah, do what you can, but don't go get it. You know, and I've been yelled at too. But I remember I was fishing. You can't fit. Well, actually, I can. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I double checked. I asked everybody. No, I checked the laws. Yep. You know, but yeah, no. It's uh, there's a lot of opportunity up there, and I'm I'm excited for that. So, um, and the other thing about the -the over-the-counter units is they are heavily 
hunted, so it's not easy. Oh, so it's just like an over-the-counter tag is not like, a, oh, you're guaranteed. Oh, no, whatever. not at all. It's like you got to go out there and bust it to get it. You can look at the percentage, uh, the success percentage of the hunters in those units, and it is. It's like under like 12%, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. Really Single low. digits Yeah. Um, for some stuff in certain seasons, so. Um, so it, it's, it's not easy. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people pushing around in there, you know, it, you really got to put in the work. I mean, you're going to pick up archery too. Or are you just going to plan? Okay. Yep. Cause it, it extends your season by a couple months. Mm-hmm. Not only that, the archery season also, especially with the elk, um, allows you to call them in. I think there's just something special and intimate oh, about yeah. being able to call in a bowl and super close and you know, harvesting it, so. Yeah, it changes the dynamics a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, for sure. It's Not a little more personal. 200, 300-yard shot. Yeah, yeah, so, yep, yep, that is, uh, that's in the plan is to start archery. Now, do you archery hunt now nope. as it is? Okay. So, nope. you're so it'll be a brand up. new thing. Hey, man, it's always fun picking yep. up something new. I'm excited because uh picked Cliff's brain over here throughout the process. Yeah. Um, He's got some good stuff. Yep, yeah, I'm excited about that, so. Yep. Dude, well, I'm excited for you. I'm glad Thank that you're you. going. Ken and I go up. To um, Colorado, probably once, twice a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's got a special place in my heart, and that was one thing that was was always hard for me, like making the move, making the move up there, or decision, to, trying to decide whether or not to move up there or not. Is you know, it's it's is it gonna lose some of that uh, luster a little bit? Like, yeah. is it not? Is now that's my home, and I'm gonna be seeing it all day long. That's is it gonna be point. as special? Yeah, and that was one of the all these things I was worried about. I was like, if I move up there, like is, I literally see this every single day. Like, is it still gonna hold that special spot in my heart? I think it will, man. I think it will. I, I think it will. Man, I love the quad. It's I fish it. I can fish it every day if I want yeah. to. Yeah. And every time I'm there, it's still just as beautiful. The bass, the quad, yeah, the quads yeah. are still just as amazing to me. Yeah. I think. You got to find that place, and if you find it, it doesn't matter how many days you fish it; it's still great. You yeah. Know what I mean, yep. So yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Man, I'm excited for you. That's great. Thank you. Yep. Uh, so you're leaving in a month. In a month. Yeah. Okay. Yep. What days are you going up there? Uh, we are headed out on the 19th okay. of July. Okay. So. We're we're driving through there, or we're staying in Boulder for two days: the 10th and the 11th. Oh, okay. And then on the way back. Nice. Nice. Yep. Uh, you know, y'all are always welcome. So, yeah, I'm excited to get up there. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh, well, uh, anybody have any words of wisdom? Hmm. No, we've lost that. <laughs> I'm saying I'm throwing it out there. Anybody got it? We got to end on some sort of note. Says who? That's true. Says who? All be, right. No, I got it. Be nice. You know what? Be nice. Be nice to people. Be nice. You know what? Treat you never know what somebody's going through. Just, just be nice. It's not that hard. Man, that's so true. It's not that hard. Yeah, you never know what somebody's going through. Yeah. Don't throw your McDonald's bag out at the Don't red do line. that either. Don't <laughs> throw your, and don't sink your cans. <laughs> don't sink your cans. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, on that note, we'll talk to you next week. Bye!